What up, what up? You're listening to the 2BD Podcast with RT2. We got a very special conversation coming up, so uh, stay tuned. And as always, what comes next is to be determined. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're back with another episode of the 2BD Podcast with your host, as always, RT2. And I got a very special guest with me today. He's known just... He's got a legendary title, just that's all you really need is Jay. He just goes by Jay from Doc's Barbershop, Jay of Williamstown, New Jersey. Thank you for being with me here today. Thank you for having me. What's going on, bro? Uh, there's a lot going on, but uh, <laughs> it's hard to cover that in one episode, but uh, I'm doing all right. Um, as always with the 2BD podcast, we always like to open up and start with two questions. So the first question is always, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Um, football player. I wanted to be a football player. Professional football player. And what happened to what happened to that dream? I got older and realized that, you know, everybody ain't going to make it. Everybody won't make it. So I had to change my uh my train of thought. I had to change my train of thought. Gotcha. And then the second question is, as always, what do you do now? I'm a barber at Doc's Barbershop in Williamstown, New Jersey. Shout Been out there Dax. about 15 years. Um. Now, how did you get started at Doc's Barbershop? What's the... Uh, well, the backstory is when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was started hair school and then while i was in hair school i started looking for a barbershop a, a shop home and uh the shop i was actually looking for i couldn't find i was about to turn around and go home and then i got to the light and i seen docs i went in there that was the last shop i was going to go to for the day i went in there and me and doc kicked it off and i've been there ever since hmm. so it was like a 45 second conversation and from there on i just knew Pretty much, yeah, this might be my next, you know, my forever home, pretty much. So it just happened to be the last stop on your list. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even it wasn't even on my list. I wasn't supposed to go to that shop. I was I couldn't find the shop that I was supposed to go to because he had came into the school and tried to get me to start working at his shop, but mm. I couldn't find it. So I was on the way home all frustrated and everything. And then finally, I found Doc's barbershop. And I was like, all right. You know, he was a Marine. I'm a Marine. So, you know, kicked off pretty good. Hmm. Um, now, coming out of school and whatnot, what made you join the Marines? What made you get what made you want to get into the military? Um, I wasn't school wasn't really for me. Uh, like book work, book wise. And then when I got out of school, I wasn't really going on the right track. So I had to get my head right. The only people that was really going make sure that my head got right was the Marine Corps. So I chose to go into the Marine Corps and did my eight years and now I'm a barber. What was it like when you were growing up and going to school, when you say that it wasn't for you, it was just the learning environment wasn't connecting with you or you needed some sort of like, almost like a more immersive experience to kind of yeah, get I needed, you? I, need, I think I needed more more structure like today's like say if i had to stay home today for school 
you know, the stay at home school and because of the whole COVID out here and everybody's home, you know, remote learning, I wouldn't be able to do that. You know I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stay focused for that. I mean, like, did you do your homework? Like, yeah, I did my homework. I ain't worried about, you know, I'd be on the game all day. Mm-hmm. But uh, Marine Corps, like, all my family, they was in the Army. So I knew about the Army. I didn't really know about the Marines. And I knew that I needed somebody, you know, I needed something more strict to get me in line. So you know, I went to the Marine Corps, and it helped. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the things that you did connect with when you joined the Marine Corps? Like, what were some of the things you witnessed and you were like, what were the moments where you were like, this is definitely what's going to work for me? Um, when I knew they weren't playing no games, they weren't taking no, no for an answer. You know what I mean? I could usually talk my way out of things, but I got to the Marine Corps, I couldn't talk my way out. It was like, either you do it their way or it's the highway. Hmm. And when I joined the Marines, I didn't really have nothing else to come back to. So, you know, it was either do it or don't go, or don't do it at all. You know what I mean? So I had to do it. Mm-hmm. So you felt like this was essentially you couldn't see the path ahead of you. And this was just kind of clearing your head and making that more clear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it helped me. It helped me get a good, uh, good foundation. My foundation wasn't strong before the Marine Corps. So. After the Marine Corps showed me how to think critically, you know, and just put one one foot in front of the other, just keep on going. So I needed it. Not that everybody needs the military, but me, for instance, I needed the military. Um, how did your perspective change once you came back from all of that? Um, it, yeah, it'll open your eyes. It'll let you know that yeah, you might not enjoy everything that happens over here in America, but you'll realize that America is be- definitely the best country out here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It makes you appreciate the small things. Um, you said you spent like eight years. Yeah. You spent eight years um, active. Eight years. Yep. Gotcha. Did the whole contract. Now I'm out. Um, so that you know after the contract because if you do four years and you got the four years that they could call you back what um what countries did you travel to and what were the places you went to um pretty much everywhere except africa man i was everywhere africa was the only spot that i didn't get a chance to to uh you know have a field op at Mm. but philippines uh Japan, Thailand, Korea, and we had a ball. Hmm. <laughs> we had been all over the place, did all types of things. Um, did you have any sort of travel experience like that when you were growing up, or this was your first time really being like out the country and about? Uh, uh, no, actually, my older brother, uh, he was a performer for Starlight Express over in Germany. And he also was a performer on the uh, Disney cruise ship. He was, uh, he did the Lion King. Um, he did Beauty and the Beast where they would sing and dance, you know, perform all that, like a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. So I went over to Germany when I was 10 and I watched him do the Starlight Express. That's where you rollerblade, you're singing. It's like a, it's like a grease show. Mm-hmm. But uh, Broadway style. Interesting. That's 
never really heard of anything like that. That's really cool. That's probably right. Yeah. If you look it up on YouTube, you can see like little clips of it. Hmm. That wasn't that didn't set it off right there for you. That wasn't the career path you were I mean, looking for. Performing. Nah, nah, nah. It wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't my niche, man. <laughs> I had the word of mouth. You know what I mean? I had the the gift of gab. Hmm. Um. So what was your jumping off point when you came back to the states? Um. When I started doing haircuts in the barracks, and I realized that you can make good money cutting hair, you know what I mean. And it don't take that long to cut, you know, cut a cut a person's head. So you take twenty to thirty minutes to cut somebody's head, and you know that's a good good amount of money right there. Mm-hmm. They let and you. They let you experiment on their heads. I mean, they didn't have no choice once they had rank because they had to come to my uh, my formation. Can't come to the formation with a messed up head. And the barbers on base, nobody trusted the barbers on base. So, you know, either you got off, you went off base and got a haircut, or you went to somebody inside the barracks that knew how to cut. And I was just happened to be one of them. That's cool. Is that is that something that a lot of um, service members pick up, or that's something um, that they take a liking to? I mean, you can. It, it's just everybody's everybody's different. My mm. barber, while I was in. He, he broke it down to me saying that he, he explained to me, like, look, you come to me for 30 minutes and you're paying me $20. I don't have a boss. I'm my own boss. And I can get three people in an hour. So that's $60 an hour. Being my own boss, I watch TV what I want, you know, what I want on TV. I can listen to radio. I can wear what I want. I was like, yeah, you know, that could be, you know. And then inflation prices over the years is just going to keep going up and up so you know it's a good profession mm-hmm. i want that you know especially if you got a little problem with authority you know what i mean when you don't like people are always hovering over you so that's how it is at docs it's nice and chill there you know what i mean if you need help we'll help you but if not go ahead and do your thing we just we just want to get these good cuts out right so that was almost like seeing him do all that that almost like set up the blueprint for you and helped you visualize it because did right. you have any um predisposition to cutting hair or anything like that was that ever like uh, in your mind no not until i really started talking to my barber that when i was in he was the one that first put it in my head well actually you know when i was in high school my barber my high school barber i still talk to him to this day um he actually had it in my head too, but I just blew him off. I'm like, man, whatever, just cut my hair. <laughs> and then I got in the Marine Corps. I'm like, oh, wait. I'm like, yeah, I got to come to you every two weeks. You know what I mean? At least every two weeks. I'm like, yeah. So, and if you get, you know what I mean? If you're cordial with people and, you know, you're polite, that's why people want to, you know, people want to be polite. You know, want people to be polite to each other. Be nice to me. You know what I mean? So many people angry people out here in the world share a smile share a handshake you know what i mean it cut the stress off of somebody's head crack a few jokes and relieve the stress for the week mm-hmm. for sure um now once you started cutting hair um at docs what was that experience like and what was the relationship between you and doc when you first kind of started out well uh since we were both Marines, it's always like a brotherhood uh, relationship. But 
as far as when it came to the cutting hair experience, yeah, I was scared. <laughs> the first hit, I was scared as I don't know what. It took me about maybe 50 minutes to do my first ball fade. But uh, I got through it. I was drenched in sweat, all nervous. <laughs> but uh, I made it through. And to this day, he's still my client. So, but I had some messed up heads too. <laughs> I had some angry people, but that's all part of the trade. Did you feel like um, just working with him off the bat, he was like almost like watching over you, like you better make sure this lives up to my name? Uh, no, he was he was actually too, because he had his clientele. Mm -hmm. So the overflow, he'd be like, uh, one day I was sitting there, because I, I didn't start cutting until it was like maybe five and a half weeks of me just going there watching him cut. Like as soon as I came out of school, like he didn't let me get a chair and like start cutting that day. I had to... I think he wanted to see if I was going to show up every day. Mm. And then he wanted me to see him cut. So pay attention to him cutting so that I would understand the moves, you know, the different strokes or whatnot. And then um, once I got that, one day he was like, hey, you ready to start cutting? I was like, who, me? He was like, yeah, you're the only other one. I was like, all right, yeah. So that's when I got my first ball fade, but. Yeah, that that was the terrible ball fade, man. <laughs> but he came back. Yeah, yeah, came back. Yeah, came, and to this day, so it's about fifteen years he's been with me. That's loyalty. Yeah, man. Um, and now obviously, as time goes on, Doc's no longer with us. He passed away um, right. a couple of years ago. Um, how do you now that you're at the helm of the shop? How do you um, continue to honor what he kind of started, whether it be just keeping the name of the shop or is it like trying to replicate the same uh, environment of the shop or a vision that he had for the future? Yeah, well, the vision Doc had for the future was the, just to help the community. You know what I mean? We're, we're helpers. We're community servants. A lot of time we're on duty. So we're there to be able to preach to the young young men that come into our shop you know sometimes we get troubled young men and that 15 to 30 minutes I have that troubled young man in my chair I might be able to change his life you know what I mean and a lot of times it happens you know you can see you can feel like somebody under stress when you when they get in your chair so uh when they you know by the time they're done you speak some some life into their situation let them know that there's somebody out there that has it worse than you it might be bad now but somebody else got it worse and if nobody else has it worse then we always know that it it never rains forever i mean the sun got to come out someday that's great advice it never rains forever right it's the only way man one foot in front of the other keep pushing have you come across a lot of um young men that you've seen almost like yourself in them and like that you felt as though you didn't know what was going on with you at that age that you see that in them and you try to kind of almost like push them in the right direction I, I try to push them but I also know that me at that age like if you push me too much I'm going to push against you and then I'm just going to move and then just go the other way so I just try to drop little jewels in their head every once in a while. Like, hey, bro, you ever thought about going to barber school? 
You know, you can make about five, six hundred dollars a week. You know what I mean? Wear what you want. You ain't got really, you can set your own schedule. You know, I just try and drop that in their head real quick. You know, um, I know they like to, like a lot of the guys, like they like to see what kind of shoes I wear. So I'll try wear like, yo, I got these. I, that ain't nothing to explain to them. Like, yeah, I worked one week. I went out and got these shoes and I still paid my bills. You know, letting the little dudes know like, yo, you could get what you want and pay your bills by just barbering. Instead of doing all that extra stuff out there that some of them doing. For sure. I know just even myself having gone to Doc's uh, barbershop since I can't even remember how young I was. I used to go and get my haircut with my dad um, yeah. over in Camden where he, he still goes over there for his haircuts. But um, as I got older, it was like, uh, no, I want to get my cut, my haircut on my own time and get what I want all the time. So that's how. I came across docs in the neighborhood, but just like hearing, even like you said, just little gems of information that you try to dial out like that, that is, that's something that's great. And it's like, when you're at a young age like that, you are receptive to it, even if you don't think you are. And even like when you hear it, you're just like, nah, I don't want to do that. And all that types of stuff, because you're fed so much stuff at school and they tell you, oh, do this, go to college, do this, that, that you have like a negative reaction to that. And it's like, when you think of alternatives, that's what'll stick out these little gems and tidbits of information that you send out like that. It's like, right, well, right. maybe I could be a barber. Like, I don't know what I want to do and stuff like that. And I think um, the different trades and like different backgrounds outside of going to college and trying to do that route, I think it's very important. And I think it's like completely missed um when it comes to school and a lot of things like that because there's Definitely so much there's so many ways to make money um yes, yes. and support yourself there outside is. of all that that it's like they don't you're not showing it if that makes sense yeah yeah it makes perfect sense they they want you they push more books to you like do this books 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 but if you think it think about it if you go straight books, by the time you're done with all the book stuff, you're like 150, 200,000 in the hole. And now, even though you're making 90,000 starting at this job, but you're still 200,000 in the hole. So you got like seven years at your first career until you pay off your debt. If you're like straight on point, you know what I mean? Like I'm paying this much every month, but you, you know what I mean? This starts out in the hole, but if you go to trade school, you know, quick $20,000, you pay that off in six months. And now you're making 100000 a year. You know what I mean? 80000 a year versus the person that went to school for, you know what I mean, seven years, four years, four or five years. But, you know, different strokes for different folks too. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, they like to work on the inside. And, you know, not all trade work is inside work. You know what I mean? So... I, I think the trade work is the best. I mean, my girls, I got four daughters. All of them are straight A's. You know what I mean? So if they want to go school route, then they want to go to school route. But I also want to let them know that, yo, get your cosmetology le license because if the world goes to, you know, goes away, everybody needs a haircut. Everybody's going to need their hair done. You know what I mean? Somebody's got somewhere to go to. Somebody's tired of looking in the mirror and seeing all that hair on their head. 
They need somebody to cut it with mm. style. So, you know what I mean? It's always a fallback plan. Right. For sure. That reminds me um, of a conversation I had with my cousin with it just in general going for the different trades. That's something that is always there. And it's like you right. said, getting a haircut. Everybody's always going to need a haircut. Yes, Nobody's. Yeah. There are people that teach themselves, but the general population of everybody's not teaching themselves to cut their own hair. So oh, someone's always going to need their hair done. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to plumbing and stuff like that, everybody's always going to use a toilet. Everybody's right. always going to need <laughs> electricity, like all that types of stuff. All these things um, that will never go away. That are there's always an opportunity there, and I think, especially at times like these, where the prices of getting these college educations are set they set you back years on your life and it's like you're 22 23 years old and you're already in the hole and it's like (laughs) if you don't find something now your entire life like depends on this critical point on these next five years your your entire life depends on it right i mean so besides all that pressure just go to trade school you know what i mean and then think about it you know what i mean then slowly gradually get your your school years in but if not you might not even have to because there's in cosmetology there's so many different avenues on there you could just do nails you could do the coloring of the hair you could do the hairdressing side like the stylist side you could do the barber side we could just want to do pedicures now i got a friend that does just does pedicures and makes a killing like all she does is go from house to house and do feet Mm. I'm like, that's all you do? She's like, yeah, that's all I do. I just do feet. I'm like, damn, driving nice, you know, living comfortable and everything. So it's just, it's all about the individual, what they're willing to do. Mm-hmm. And I just wish all of that was more prevalent for people to see at these ages. Because even when you get into these trades, once you start making that money, then you have the opportunity, if you really want to, to go to the school. And now you yes. can pay for it without being victim to oh now i gotta pay all this thousands of dollars to this bank <laughs> that's like yep. that has me for the rest of my life almost um so that that's a great thing and it's it's great that um that's something that you found um but i just i wish it was something that was more available to everyone or not available but it was it was clearer to see yeah, yeah, because it's it's like you said earlier. It's not really pushed. It's not really like our teachers don't push us to do trade school. Like if we were in school, they're like, yeah, if you don't do if you don't learn your math, you're gonna be a trash man for the rest of your life. But if reality, trash men make real good freaking money. Right. <laughs> you're like, wait, wait a minute. They make better money than some teachers. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just just how we was programmed when we were little. We just gotta change the our way of thought there's so many things that i've learned since i've been out of school and since i went to the military and since i've been in the barbershop and talked to all different walks of life that a lot of stuff that we learned in school in order for us to really grow i think we have to unlearn it and read more and then we'll be like oh snap wait a minute Hey, this is how it really went down. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of mind-blowing stuff. It's like, why did I didn't learn this in school? Right, for sure. And speaking on, you said, like, being a trash man, that's the one thing they say, oh, you're going to end up 
being a trash <laughs> man or a janitor or something like that. I, the, what was it, like three years um, when I was starting off in college for the summers, yeah. I worked on the trash trucks in the summer. And it's like, <laughs> those guys that work those jobs, they get good benefits, it's unionized, It's they have, they get paid a good amount of money to do this job and it again it's an essential job it's something that needs to be done so it's like why are they being talked down upon with like you said a lot of them are making more um than the teachers that are telling you about it right right especially if they put in an hour somebody call out you pick up his hours now you got a whole nother eight hours overtime you're like eh. right <laughs> 21 dollars plus some you know what i mean it's 32 dollars an hour just to go out pick up the trash throw it in the trash can and ride on, but, but we're programmed, you know what I mean? They program us not to think that way. But it's life experiences that change everything, though. For sure. For sure. Um, but we're going to take a little break on the 2BD podcast, but we'll be right back at it with Jay. Stay tuned. All right, so we talked a little bit before the break about um what you – look to accomplish with the barbershop and the environment that you look to create with it and kind of have like the role that you want it to fill um, almost as like creating or being like a role model to some of the guys that come in and making sure that they keep everything on track. Um, how have things kind of like changed with that, with the pandemic going on? Um, well, before the pandemic, everything was walking. You know, we had appointments, but it wasn't mandatory. So since COVID has happened, it's now mandatory that uh, you got to make an appointment. And it's kind of it's kind of more personal. I, I actually like it better with just appointments, even though I got a lot of space in my barbershop that's not being utilized at the time. Um, but in time that it it increase and it'll get better because I'll find more barbers and, you know, what I mean, We'll have more patrons in at once. But as of right now, I'm the only barber in there. So it's more personal, especially when I get the young men in there. So I could actually have a more one-on-one -on -one talk besides them having somebody else waiting for the next cut and, you know, eavesdropping or all in the conversation and the young man not wanting to actually open up. So now he actually opens up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's that's a completely different dynamic because originally, you know, you go to the barbershop, you might be a bunch of old heads in there, might be a bunch of young kids in there, and it's right. it's whatever's going on in the NBA or the NFL, um, <laughs> talking trash with that. But it's like when you have, because of the coronavirus, which is obviously a terrible thing, but because it's, like you said, now it's a one-on-one -on -one experience, you really get to know your customers and you get to hear the stuff that they go through. And um, I think that's that's a really cool experience. And it's... It's something you may have only really gotten before with like um, when it comes to like doctors or doctor's office, stuff like that, where you're one on one with a patient really like that. Um, I think that's a really different dynamic to have that um, in a barbershop. Right, right. I, I think it is too. a lot of the clients. They, they appreciate it more, especially with the covid virus out here now um, that it's by appointment only so that the. You know, this time last year, we were in the barbershop sharing. Everybody was sharing the same air, you know what I mean? Laughing and snotting all over, leaning on people. Now everybody's like, oh, don't touch me. <laughs> oh, <so. laughs> but um, it's, it's crazy how, how much life can change in 365 days. But 
when it comes to stuff like this, you gotta think you have to look at the glass half full because if you look at it any other way, you'll be all depressed. You know what I mean? All depressed and all worried. So you gotta look at it half full. You gotta look at the good things that's coming out of the coronavirus business-wise, you know what I mean? Not health-wise, but business-wise, you're being, you can actually be more personal with your, like you said, with your clients. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. Um, And speaking of business-wise, you see a lot, um, or you hear a lot on TV and you see these articles about the businesses and how they're affected by shutdowns and whatnot like that. Mm -hmm. How have, how has the shutdown affected you um, as a business owner? Well, the first three days, or, no, not three days, but the first three months that we were shut down, or when the first, the whole world was shut down, we were shut down for three months total. And, you know, that hurt at first, but it was much needed so that you could get somewhat control of it and then that you could practice the safety procedures that you need to do during, when it opens back up. So the three months... First month, I took a month off, actually like the first month and a half. But after that, you know, I started doing studying on sterilization and, you know, different procedures and different uh, greetings, you know, different way to set up the shop to make it, you know, you got to move the, can't have all the, all my magazines can't be out no more. You know, uh, you got to wipe down everything now. But after every client, like we wiped everything down before, but now you just got to be more thorough. And, you know, it takes more time, but at the end of the day, the, the customer, they appreciate it more. Um, how has it been for you just being, because obviously uh, airborne virus is a scary thing. How have you felt? Um, continuing to work with people in close quarters like that and um, cut hair? I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely stressful, very stressful. But um, like when you come into my shop, it's appointment only. I check your, take your temperature. Uh, I wipe the chair down before you get in the chair. I wipe it down after you get out the chair. I wear gloves. I wear a mask. And I got to stay calm because... If I'm nervous, then my client's going to be nervous. So it's a hard job, but, you know, I'm trained for it. Like I said, I did eight years in the Marine Corps, so I'm trained for these stressful situations. And, you know, adapt and overcome. That's what we do. Have you had a good amount of knuckleheads that you turn up at the door that you're like, mm, I don't know if you've been. Yeah. If you've I mean, been... I, I check your temperature and, you know, I just, as long as you you're not coughing continuously, you know what I mean? And snotting and sneezing and, oh man, I just, it's my allergies. Nah, brother, it's too cold. It's not your allergies no more. You know what I mean? So it's, you can't judge it. You just got to take your instincts for it. As long as they got their mask, you know what I mean? You really can't, you can turn away people, but do you really want to turn anybody away at this time? You know what I mean? Even though all money's not good money, but still got to think about bills, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And plus, at my shop, I impl uh, implemented a mandatory appointment, which is a $10 fee. So you can pick your time, but it's an automatic $10 on top of the haircut. So 
most people that's going to make the appointment and pay the ten dollars for the appointment they're going to show up and they're you know they care about their safety mm-hmm. and a lot of my clients they know i have a family you know what i mean so they're not trying to get me sick and they they know it's teamwork you get me sick you can't get your hair cut right you know what I'm saying? so so we look out for each other i scratch their back they scratch my back right that's that's a real thing. You bring the virus to the shop. Now we both out for two, three, right. four weeks. Now you're yeah, not getting now, a haircut. And now we, we all sit at home. That don't help nobody. Right. And you go to somebody that's never cut your hair before and you're like, oh, man. And then push your stuff back. <laughs> you're like, man, I should have just waited. You know what I mean? I've had that happen before. Um, How have things been as far as the expansion of docs what what are the plans for the future of docs barbershop um right now i just i need licensed barbers licensed stylists i need i need i want young licensed motivated barbers it doesn't matter if you're white black puerto rican asian female male if you think you can cut if you want it not even if you have your license and you want a new home you know what I mean? You want a, a sturdy home, somewhere where you can learn, not a lot of pressure, come to Ducks. And then from there, you know, eventually, I, I gotta, I have a big space in my shop and I'm the only barber there. So I have space for five barbers, comfortably, social distance, you know what I mean? To properly social distance everybody, I, I could put five barbers in my shop. I'm just waiting for my team to come along, mm-hmm. that's all. Do you have uh, plans to take this and have multiple shops in multiple locations, or you want to keep it all in-house at the original where it all started? Uh, I want to keep the original. I want to keep Doc's name alive. So my main focus is getting the barbers for Doc's Barbershop so that because he's been there so long. uh, This would be our 28th year, I think. 28th. 27, 27 or 28, one of them. But we've been there so long and, you know, the whole community and the neighborhood, they know about Docs. So I just want to keep the name there. You know what I mean? He did so much while he was here on this earth for the community. And he did a lot for me. So I feel though it's my duty to keep his name going as long as possible. Um, Is there... Anything you want to add, maybe if there's any prospective barbers listening to this or anybody, um, any knowledge, any gems you want to throw out there, any tidbits of information? Uh, yeah, uh, don't cry over spilt milk. You know what I mean? If you don't, if that do- one door closes, another door is going to open. Don't uh, look at the glass half full. And if you need a haircut, come to Doc's Barbershop, 1056 South Black Horse Pike, Williamstown, New Jersey. Um, we were looking for qualified barbers, stylists. Come on in. Come check us out. We're on Facebook, and our phone number is 856-875-0600. All right, you heard the man. That was Jay, Doc's Barbershop. Um It was a pleasure to have you on the 2BD Podcast. I want to thank you for being here and uh, sharing a little bit of your story and your your life experience. Um, A little bit goes a long way. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. We're out of here. Thank you for listening to the 2BD Podcast. 
And as always, what comes next is to be determined. Peace. <laughs>